there is a story about Pablo Picasso. As the story goes, one evening Picasso was having a drink at a restaurant. For the purpose of the background music here, we'll pretend it was a French cafe. He was approached by an ardent admirer who asked the famous painter for an autograph on a napkin. Picasso was happy to oblige, and even added a small sketch. As he handed back the napkin, he asked for the equivalent of $10,000. Well, the admirer was horrified, but that only took you 30 seconds to draw. To which Picasso responded, no, it took me a lifetime to learn to draw that in 30 seconds. Now, you've probably heard this story in one form or another and probably have a pretty good sense. No, it's not true. It first appeared in a book in 1984. It appears to be a yarn based on common folklore with different painters through different stories dating back to the mid-19th century, before Picasso was even born. Oh, but it's creative and how we love creativity. Today on Stories and Strategies, we learn to think, create, draw, write, tinker, and play our way to a more creative us. My name is Doug Downs. My guest today is Helen Hell Reynolds. Hello, Hell. Hello, how are you doing? It's just nice to say that. It's nice to express that out loud, isn't it? Yeah. And Hell, you're joining us today from Newport, right? In South uh, East Wales. How are things in South East Wales? Oh, it's glorious here. Considering the time of year in Wales, it's sunny and lovely and I'm sitting here with the cats and it's life's not too bad. Wonderful, because in the Rocky Mountains where I am, it's not, well, it might, might be sunny and lovely outside today, but uh, it, we don't see any grass whatsoever. It's all snow. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Hell, you are the co-principal of the organization Comms Creatives, which you run with your sister, Leslie. You've won a number of awards, including the CIPR Local Public Services Digital Communications Award in 2010. You've won three pieces of hardware at the So Me Comms Social Media Awards in 2011, Best of YouTube, the Innovation Award, Best In-House Team, Digital Leaders Award in 2014, the UK Blog Awards in 20, uh, 2017 with your Comms Cartoons website, which, by the way, I really want to talk about at some point in this episode. They are incredible. And the 2018 UK Social Media Marketing Awards. You're also a keynote speaker at various events, including Comms Hero. <laughs> uh, among the many things you do in communications, you've built programs and tools to help people like me be more creative. Tell me about how you pull out the inner creativity in all of us. Well, thank you for that lovely intro. I think... Um... You can tell from that that I like awards do, so I do like a free bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Comms Creatives is a social media training company, so we help comms and PR people to use social media in more effective ways. But as we've been running this business, and it's, it's over five years now, we really realised that one of the most important skills that people need, particularly um, in a world that's kind of automated now, is creativity. So if we want to stay on top of our game, if we don't want the robots to take over, then creativity is going to be the number one skill that we have. Right. So we're obsessed with it. I, I mean, 
if there's any kind of creativity book or any article or, or any study that's been done, I'm all over it. And I'm always trying to kind of help our students to, I suppose, try things out and think things a little bit differently. So we have a Social Media Managers Academy, which is kind of a long-term membership program where we get lots of people to try out little different techniques to get better social media engagement and do better strategy. But all the time, we're just poking at people and saying, come on, you can do this. Have the confidence to try something a little bit silly. And we attracted lots of people to um, this kind of more creative approach to comms on social media with our 31 Days of Creativity Challenge, which was, well, we've, we've run it twice. So it, any any month that's got 31 days, people can sign up and they'll get an email every day and it'll give them a different creative challenge. Okay. Are there things you mentioned going to the gym? Exercise is so good for the brain. Um, are there other things that I can do to help stimulate creativity? Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, yes, exercise is a perfect one as well. If you can do it, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing one. And it's interesting as well. You'll find that lots of people have their best ideas when they're out for a walk in the park or mm -hmm. when they're in the shower or when they're dancing or when they're moving about and not in the, like how many times can you think of that you had a genius idea when you were sitting in a boardroom it's just kind of not an environment that helps you to too often come up with the best ideas in so, fact you learn to stifle that that uh that impulse right yeah definitely and what we think the, the fundamental reason for why creativity can sometimes be stifled in an organization is you often just go with your first idea so we can get kind of bogged down in work and what you actually need to do is have a bit of a brainstorming period where you come up with as many possible ideas as as you can. You know, for example, the reverse of a good idea, that example. Yeah. We have this online academy that we train people and we thought, you know, we want people to practice, to try things out all the time so they regularly get good, like I'm talking about, going to the gym, deep thinking so that they can create unique work. And that works really well with our students. And we thought, what's the opposite of that? Actually, it's something that's really quick. You don't have to do much thinking. And then we just gave people templates for social media content that they could put out and put that in the academy. So you've got this really slow, um, deep thought, plus some really quick wins that you can have as well. So we kind of get that that combination of like two different ideas can also be good. You don't have to sit and think of things in a boardroom you can draw and do sketches and we get people on our course to do sketch noting I love that yeah I think sometimes that visualization can help you to think a little bit more creatively if you're not thinking in words but thinking in, in images and a bit of divergent thinking you know so I think it's one of our favorite things is to do a divergent thinking task so an example of this from the 31 days of creativity is we get people to think of as many things as they can to do with a scarf ah. and the sillier the ideas the more points you get okay and in preparing for this uh this is the segment we we didn't really prepare you said you would come up with an exercise within a couple of minutes to put me on the spot and flex the creative side of my brain we did not script this um so <laughs> i'm all yours <laughs> i love this i am putting you on the spot okay I'm sitting here with my phone in airplane mode, but I have a timer on it. And I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Don't worry, I'm going to put the timer on once I've told you what it is. 60 seconds to think of as many silly, brilliant, genius, any kind of ideas. What can you do with a fork? 
with with a fork. You can use it as a utensil to pick up your food, obviously. Uh, you could use it to till dirt in the ground, just like a, a rake. You could use it with your fingernail to, to strum and try to find a musical tune from it. You could pop a balloon with a fork. Um, you could use it as a, as a drum uh, because you can click it a few times on the desk. Uh, you could use it to toss it up in the air and practice your hand-eye coordination, um, which doesn't sound very safe. Um, <laughs> uh, you could use it as a metaphor, put a fork in it. Um, you, uh, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> um, you could use it to mash your potatoes if they're still a little al dente because you, you want to pick up your potatoes to eat that way. Uh, you could, how many seconds have we got? You've got 10 seconds. Oh boy. Um, you could use it to block out the sun, uh, slightly or create a shadow image on the ground that's somewhat unique. Well, that is brilliant. Uh, you <laughs> uh, I don't know, but someone could riff, the point being someone could riff off of, Hey, those are really dumb, but someone could riff off of one of those and come up with something else. That's the point here. Absolutely. And I think they were forking brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there were some good ones in there. And I think it was a real insight into the way that you think. So you thought in metaphor and you were thinking about some visuals as well. And then you, you know, it, it sometimes just helps you to get in the frame of mind. So obviously, there's very few of us who are going to be doing campaigns to sell fork. Um, but when you do these kind of tasks, it's almost like a little warm up for your brain. And it gets it just more comfortable with coming up with some of the, the zanier stuff. Which right. The, and the most obvious challenge, especially in a corporate setting, is that most of us just aren't willing to be creative. We'd rather find the round peg that will fit the round hole. That's kind of what we're searching for. That makes the boss happy. I get my bonus and la-di-da, there we go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard for a lot of us because I'm, you know, I work with my sister. So we've got this culture where, you know, she, my sister knows fully well how silly I am and, and it's fine. <laughs> um, but I felt this when I was working in a corporate and a lot of people will find that their culture just doesn't support creativity because they are built for risk aversion. And, you know, your boss is going to never sack you for having an average idea that's okay. But, you know, there is this underlying feeling that if you do something that's not going to work, that hasn't been tried before, that you might, you know, you don't necessarily benefit from it all the time. And from our point of view, we find that a lot of the stuff that or the clients that we work with and, and our students as well have tried common sense approaches before. They've looked at best practice and they haven't worked. So maybe it's time to kind of try uncommon sense and recognize that best practice is only good until someone does something better. Music helps generate ideas, right? It does. So there's a lot of research that shows it's partly to do with your mood. So your creativity is enhanced when you feel good and when you feel confident. And there's some great research that shows that feel-good music helps you to be more creative. Okay. Well, and about five years ago, in 2015, a British electro electronics brand surveyed a large group of people in England and Ireland, asking them to list songs that made them feel good. And then they asked a Dutch neuroscientist, Dr. Jacob Jolie, to study that list of feel-good songs to see 
if he could find a pattern in all this, and what Dr. Jolie determined was the prevalence of songs in a major key as well as a slightly faster tempo. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much science actually goes into that, but th those were the things that he extracted. Whereas the average pop song is about 140 beats per minute on this feel-good list, the songs were about 188 beats per minute, so they were faster. Here are the top five songs from the survey played in reverse order. We're going to start with number five. And as with any music survey or list, I know it will be contentious, but it will feel good. Great list. How'd you feel about that, about that list of songs? Oh, it's nice to see Freddie Mercury at the top there. I, I think Queen are amazing, as long as we're talking about Freddie Mercury Queen, not any other version of Queen. They were all so talented, but Freddie was just extraordinary. Absolutely. A great song. Good list. I need to recap the, the list of... Uh, of artists that we just heard. So we heard I'm a Believer, written by Neil Diamond, performed by the Monkees on the Cold Gems label. Eye of the Tiger, written by Frankie Sullivan and Jim Pederick, performed by Survivor on the EMI and Scotty Brothers labels. Uptown Girl, written, of course, by Billy Joel, performed by Billy Joel on the Columbia label. Dancing Queen, written by Benny Anderson, Bjorn Olvias, and Stig Anderson, performed by ABBA on the Polar, Epic, and Atlantic labels. Don't Stop Me Now, written by Freddie Mercury, performed by Queen on the EMI Electra and Meloidia 
labels. How ironically, we also derive pleasure from listening to sad songs, as Elton John may have penned. Is that because we always love hearing about someone who's hurting more than we are? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I think I, I do actually think that some of the studies do show that that's part of it, where we need to kind of look down on other people socially. And I think it is interesting, actually, that thing of we need to look at someone who's worse off than ourselves because we have this discussion with our students about imposter syndrome and often people compare themselves. So I, I call it comparisonitis, where they compare themselves to other people who are doing well. And I say, you know, go and look at some people who aren't doing as well as you. <laughs> it makes you feel so much better. <laughs> you compare yourself to someone who's not as good. But yes, that's a part of it. I think with the sad music, that kind of melancholy um, music is linked to like a hormone production called prolactin, which can help you it's supposed to help you curb grief which is an amazing hormone um and our minds kind of handle sadness sometimes differently when we experience it through art so I think we all know that feeling of sometimes music can make it feel like you're in the middle of your own soundtrack last thing I definitely wanted to ask you about was your cartoons if you if you, if you follow hell on twitter um you've seen these cartoons if you don't these, these are hilarious and they're about how we communicate as well as the communications industry overall how did the cartoons or comics come about um and um what's your creative element for all of these oh thank you very much um well I, I think the best way to sum up, my friend Eddie, I saw him a, a while back at a conference, and the, the way he said it was, hey, your cartoons are rubbish. They're brilliant, but they're rubbish. <laughs> um, and, and I know that's what I meant. <laughs> I'm not an artist. I am someone who visualises the thoughts that I've had in my head. So a long, well, I'm saying a long time ago, about 2015, I saw a cartooning course, and I thought, I don't do that much that's that's for myself in the business that like I'm not really sure how this would work but I fancy it so I went and did this cartooning course with um a couple called Martin Shovel who's a cartoonist for the Guardian and the Private Eye over here in the UK and his wife Martha Layton who's a communications expert and they just gave me that encouragement to say visualize thoughts and ideas and make things that are intangible tangible and that's all it's about, really. You don't have to be a good drawer. As long as when you're drawing, someone understands what it is you're representing, that's fine. So I just did some drawings and on the train on the way back and thought, I'll tweet these. And people liked them. I was very surprised that people liked them. And I think my sense of humour is about recognising the struggles that we have as communicators, in the case of these cartoons, and having a bit of a laugh about them, really, and not taking them too seriously. The thing that most people tell me. So I'll give you an example of a cartoon. I can kind of describe it for you. It's an office scene. Um, a man comes to a woman who's sitting at a desk and says, I want you to make this go viral for me, Susan. And she says, okay, what is it? And he says, it's my strategic framework for engaging stakeholders. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the joke being that we are asked to do these things that are absolutely never going to fly. Um and the, the one reaction that I get for the kind of cartoons that I do is, OMG, this is my life. So lots of people will come back to me and say, like, have you been spying on me? This is like, and, and it's just about recognition. So for me, the creativity comes from being able to express something that other people are feeling and making them feel a little bit less alone because we can't fix all the problems. Humans are always going to be annoying us and 
workers you know we're not working down the coal mines we're doing quite a nice job so we may as well laugh at some of those things that occasionally irritate us well your cartoons have given me many smiles sometimes on the train sometimes um, sitting at home just perusing through twitter so thank oh, you that well that makes me smile so thank you very much well and and thanks for your time today i really appreciate it this was fun this is my favorite podcast i can't believe that i'm on here thank you so much i love it i'm such a fan like the one on coffee, the one on comedians. I think that you've just got an amazing take on communication. So thank uh, you very much. You're, you're brilliant. Let's do another one sometime. Yeah, I'd love that. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Hal Reynolds, you can reach her at hi, hi, at comscreatives.com. It's in the show notes as well. If you liked what you heard today, we're hoping that you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever directory you're listening on. And would you do us a favor, recommend this podcast to just one friend. If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.